0: Well, hey, we're starting a brand new series. Thank you, Freddie. You're amazing. Go take a 20-minute smoke break. We'll see you back. In... Ah, it's Avin, it's Mother's Day. Okay, sorry. Just go take a break. Don't. I'm kidding. Um, I I vowed at the 10:15. My wife was in service, and I vowed that I would not make that joke ever again. Here we are, Grace, okay, Grace. Because she gave me a look. Like, stop it, but... Um, okay, now it's dead. It'll never. Ha- I'll never make that joke again until next week. Um, so excited to start this brand new series called Uncommon. It's a five-week series through the Book of James. Uh, we're only doing five weeks because we could literally we could get lost in the sauce every week. We could go verse by verse, line by line, but we would be here for the next five years. And I just don't want to, I don't want to, I don't feel led to do that. But what I do feel led to do is take two books of the Bible a year. So in the spring and in the fall, we're going to tackle a book in the Bible. And I'm so excited to do this. So now James we will do another book in the fall uh, in September that I'm really excited about. Uh, but we're just going to look at kind of some highlights, some of, the, some of the bigger themes in the book of James. And I believe it's going to be really awesome for you. Now I've entitled this Uncommon because I really do believe God has an uncommon life for you. God has something amazing for you. God has an uncommon destiny, an uncommon dream, an uncommon plan for your life, for your business, for your family, for your future. Uh, it's, It's uncommon what God wants to do in your life. And so that when people see you, they see that uncommon love, that uncommon faith, that uncommon hope, that uncommon generosity that makes them say you are different And and I want to know this God that you serve. But in order to live an uncommon life, we're going to need uncommon commitments, um, uncommon faith, an uncommon lifestyle, and uncommon wisdom. And that's really what James is trying to do. This is James, a pastor, writing to his church. I want you to catch this. This is not the Apostle Paul writing to one of his sons in the faith, Timothy. This is not the Apostle Paul writing to a group of churches that he's over. This is Pastor James writing to his church. And basically, if we could sum up all five chapters, it's you need to grow up. you gotta, You got to mature. you got to grow up. Uh, there's, there's more for you, but, but you're going to have to grow into what God has for you. It's said that the Book of James is the Proverbs of the New Testament, so when you read James it kind of it, it, it 's not like paul's letters that have theme after theme after theme after theme when when you 're reading paul you 'll see this word therefore a lot because he 'll give a theme, therefore, boom, therefore, boom, therefore that 's not James James is like. It's like an ADD book of the Bible. You know what I mean? It's like wisdom and then it's like faith and then it's like believe God and then it's like this and then it's trials and then it's temptation. Just, he's just going back and forth into all these different themes because he knows his people. He knows what they're going through and he's just, he's trying to help them make decisions in the now, right here, right now. It's not a really a theological book. You only see the name of Jesus mentioned twice in the whole book. So this is not some big theological a book about what God is doing in their life. This is simply like, hey, you're a Christian, you're a believer, now do this. And if you'll do it, you'll have an uncommon life. If you'll do it, God will begin to bless your life. So uh, I'm really excited. I believe it's really going to help us. And we're going to start now in James chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Wow, okay, let's just start. Let's just start big right away. No introductions. Like, let's just go. That's how you know James is a pastor. He's like, I know what you're going through. I know you're going, I know you're going through a lot, of, a lot of trouble right now. Consider it pure joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So let your perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything, not lacking anything. James wants us to the place where we are mature and complete, not lacking anything. Anybody want to live that kind of life? I I want to live that kind of life. Mature, complete, not lacking anything. Now, when he says this, he's not talking about circumstance. He's not, it's not you going, yeah, I want to lack nothing. I want to drive a BMW or I'm going to lack nothing. I'm going to find my man or I'm lacking nothing. We're going to, no, it's not that. I'm going to live in this kind of house. That's not it. James is actually saying we need maturity on the inside. I know millionaires that are lacking. Yeah. I know, I know people uh, on food stamps that are lacking. I know mature singles, and I know immature married people. So, it, so that's not what this is. This is not about circumstance. James is saying you have to grow on the inside. God's trying to get you to mature, you to get to the place where you are lacking Nothing. Verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Let's talk from the idea today, lacking nothing. Father, we do come now uh, to your word. We come before you, asking you to speak to our hearts, asking you to encourage our souls, asking for wisdom. Lord, I pray uh, that you would give every person in this room a tailor-made word just for them and for what they're going through right now. Thank you for the power of your word. We, we have come today not just to be entertained, not just to uh, tick a box, a box off, but, Lord, we have truly come to have an encounter with Almighty God, and we believe it's going to happen today. In Jesus' name, everybody who agrees with that, said amen. 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 And so... Here's what I think is amazing about how James starts the book. He, he knows what they're going through, and the church is being heavily persecuted right here. These are Jewish believers living in Jerusalem, and they're being rejected by their Jewish families. And so they're losing uh, family. They're being rejected. They're being disowned. They're losing business. Uh, People are no longer buying and selling with them. It it is literally the fulfillment of the book of Revelation that said that you will not be able to buy or sell. Because they've taken on the mark of Christ, because they're now identifying with Jesus, people are, are fully persecuting them. They are in total social persecution for the name of Jesus. And it's in this place that James says... I know you're going through this, but God is actually going to increase your faith and your patience through this. And I want you to catch this. Uh, James is not simply, the goal is not a miracle. James isn't like, all right, let's pray that people will start liking you. James says we need to pray for maturity. All right, here we go. I'm only getting one amen from a crying kid. Everyone else is like... Because if you get a miracle but you never mature, wow. you will need another miracle in like two seconds. Wow. Thanks. Come on. You tried. Yeah. Homie was like, I'm, I got you, Pastor. I'm trying. If you, if you get your breakthrough but you don't change on the inside, you're going to need another breakthrough in a week. This is why, this is why people win the lotto and are broken a year. Because they didn't have the capacity to handle life, good or bad. Without maturity, life will crush you. The blessing will crush you, and the struggle will crush you. The trial will crush you, and the prosperity will crush you. James goes, we need something more than outward change. We need inward change. And so James goes, guys, this is a moment of maturity. This is a moment Where God can do something deep on the inside of you where you get to the point of lacking nothing. So if I want to get to the point of lacking nothing, number one, my mindset matters. My mindset matters. James starts with consider it pure joy. But I want to look at the word consider before we even move on. Consider. When you're going through a trial, a test, or a temptation, these are the three things that James is going to say in in chapter one. If you're going through a a trial, a test, a temptation, your feelings are going to be strong, and it's going to be hard to think right, because all you're going to want to do is feel. And James says, don't let your emotions lead when you're in a trial. You got to think. Because your thinking and your mindset is the only thing that's going to get you through this season. Because if you go to emotions, your emotions are going to take you right off. So so James goes, okay, before anything, I know you're going through it. we got to think. Consider. Here's what consider means. To lead, rule, take authority over, decide, govern, and to become the chief spokesman of your life. To lead, rule, take authority over, decide, govern, and to become the chief spokesman of your life. Here's what James is saying. I know that a lot on the outside is out of your control, but you get to rule your spirit. You get to take authority over your soul. You get to decide what's going on on the inside. You cannot decide what's going on on the outside, but no one can make you speak. You get to decide what you say. You get to lead. You get to rule. I know it feels out of control, but you're not out of control because you get to decide your soul. Huh. You get to lead this moment, not the issues. I found out during, uh, it's, been, it's been three years now. I, re- I remember when all of the craziness of, of COVID and all the division was happening in our country, I, I learned, I didn't know this then, I learned that I was a control freak. I didn't know I was a control freak. I thought it was pretty easy going. I thought I was just kind of like a musician, man, who's pastoring a church. I, thought was, I realized I was a control freak because I, I encountered all of these things that I couldn't control. Anybody else? Yeah. Right, so... You didn't know if you were going to get sick. You didn't know when you were going to get sick. When you got sick, you didn't know who got you sick. Then when you got sick, you didn't know if you were going to die or not. Because I knew people who were healthier than me that did die, and I knew people that were older than me that lived. And so I'm just, i just—I was just out of control. You walk into Target, tell you to put a mask on. You didn't know that was going to happen. And then, ah, yeah, and then you don't know like, do I want that coffee that bad? Do I want to walk? Do I want Starbucks that bad? Do I wear the? Do I wear the mask? You just you were out of control. You just out of control. I didn't realize. Now, here's what I learned, though, during that time. I've always been out of control. I just thought I was in, I had the illusion of control. (laughs) What, what What that moment did is it just taught me that I was out of control. And it also taught me I'm gonna have to live from the inside, not from the outside. Well, then on top of that, about May, all hell starts breaking loose in our country. And then, people, and then I start getting this call that I didn't know was a thing. People start saying, you got to open your building. you got to open your building now. you got to start having church or you don't really love Jesus and trust Jesus. And I was like, oh, sweet. I didn't know that. I didn't know we were doing that. Because <laughs> our building over on Warm Springs is the size of a Cracker Jack box. So if one person would walk into that room with COVID, we all getting it. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that building was made to be a super spreader. So I was like, oh, we got to open or I'm not an American. I didn't know that, right? So they're like, you got to open. So I was like, ah, okay. And then I was like, well, I don't know if I'm comfortable. Well, then we got to meet outside. And I said, like, but if we meet outside, it's 120 degrees, we'll die that way. So we're either going to die of COVID or we're going to die of heat stroke, but we're going to die. So I didn't know that. So then we opened. We opened in June. People didn't like that we opened. People were mad that we opened. Other people were mad that it took us that long to open. Then we open and We wore masks because that's what they told us to do because they said they work. And so we walked in with masks on and the people were mad to wear masks. You're a sheep, pastor, you're a sheep wearing a mask. I was like, I don't know, they told me to wear the mask. It's hot, I'm uncomfortable, can't breathe, but they told me to wear the mask. And so, but then other people were mad at me because we weren't really enforcing it. So people would walk in, take their mask off and then they were mad that we didn't excommunicate them. (laughs) Kick them out of the church, they don't love their neighbor. I'm like, I don't know, I think they just don't like, they just wanna breathe. And so then that was happening. I didn't know. I didn't know I was a bad American. I just thought, and then, but then, but then the other people were mad at me forever. I can't even believe you would open. You're killing people. You're killing people, pastor. So then that was happening. On top of that, then people would walk up to me and go, we're offended. We're leaving the church because you said this when you were preaching. And I go, I didn't actually say that. I said that. And they, well, but that's not what they heard. Oh, and you posted this. Well, I actually didn't post that. I posted this. Well, uh, well you said this. Well, I actually didn't say that. Okay, all of a sudden, <laughs> it's all coming back to me right now. I'm like, ah, I'm hot. <laughs> <laughs> Where's those cigarettes? No, just kidding. So, <laughs> so I'm healed. I'm healed. Here's, and, and here's what I wanted to do. I wanted to defend and control and I wanted and I wanted to set the narrative right and I wanted to defend myself. I didn't say that. I said that. And and you know what the Holy Spirit said? He said, "Instead, just consider it all joy." And don't try to control the narrative. Rule your own spirit. Cuz you cuz you can't cuz if if they're committed to misunderstanding you, they're gonna, going to go into and emotions were just hot. Everybody was everything was crazy. Right? Everything was just out of 10. So I don't even judge that. It was just, it just was what it was. And I had to go, okay, but I can walk in love. I can't walk in forgiveness. I can walk in humility. I can trust God. I can hear from God. I can be my own spokesperson. Um, I, I can make it past this season. Thank God we did. And I want to say this: I, I truly believe I'm in ministry right now. And our church was only two years old when, when the pandemic started. I believe our church is where we're at right now in the one percentile of churches that are actually larger than they were before COVID because I had to make a decision, not because I'm all that, but hear me. I had to make the decision to go, okay, I can only rule my own spirit. And if I need to repent, I'll repent. If I need to apologize, I'll apologize. And I did. And if I need to make better decisions, I will. But I can't control everyone's opinion of me. And I can't lead off of consensus because everybody has a different opinion every day right didn't we all we all did right so instead i'm i'm just going to have to i'm going to have to work on soul health and pray i make it out of this stinking pandemic now now here's the deal now that we're past it i still have to just cuz the pandemic's over doesn't mean i ever you never graduate from this you never graduate from maturity so now that that season is over, and I pray to God we never go through anything like that again, but, but I still have to lead from my spirit. I'm still not in control. A couple weeks ago, my wife went into excruciating pain. She said, this pain is worse than, than uh, giving birth. This is the worst thing I've ever gone through. We had to take her to the hospital. She had to get her gallbladder removed. I was out of control. You're just out of control. I, I prayed in the name of Jesus. I binded. I loosed. I cast out devils. I commanded that. God to be healed in the mighty name of Jesus. Shondo. And she still had to get the surgery. <laughs> and you know what you do? You go, okay, I got I to live from my spirit. Because we can't always control what's going on out here. But I do get, James is going, take authority Your mindset matters. Your mindset matters. Can I get a good amen? All right. Isn't it just good to talk about that season? It's like, ah, it's like therapy. Ah, okay. Maybe not. Here's why I can have joy. I can have joy. I'm still in point one. I can have joy because I know that the the test, the trial, and the temptation is not from God because James chapter 1 verse 13 says, when tempted, and this word tempted right here, it's, it's not the best word. It's, it's tempted, it's tried, it's trial, it's test, it's all of those words. When I'm going through a test, trial, and temptation, no one should say, God is giving me a test, trial, and temptation. It's not God doing it, because God can't be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So God doesn't send test, trials, and temptations. This is good news because it means if if I'm in a test, trial, and temptation, I know it's not God, so I'm gonna run to God, not away from God. I'm gonna seek God, I'm gonna chase God, and I'm gonna find God. I'm not gonna get mad at God, curse God, and walk away from God. Well, why am I in a test, trial, and temptation? Well, number one, it might be because of me. Have you ever put yourself in a bad situation, right? Have we ever, it's called a mistake. Uh, Maybe it's the devil, maybe it's spiritual warfare, maybe it's just circumstance, just it's life. Well, when that happens, I know that it's not from God, so now I can go to God for wisdom because I know God didn't put me in this thing. See, God God doesn't test that way. See, God doesn't test us because God knows all things. I'm not driving down the freeway and God's like, I'm going to give this guy a blowout, see how he handles it. <laughs> he doesn't do that. He knows everything. I'm going to make this chick sick and see if she still has. No, he knows everything. You see how dumb we are? Like when we think that way? Me? When I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like how foolish that we go, yeah, maybe God. No, God isn't testing us. He already knows. So when I'm in a test, trial, temptation, I know that either it's me or it's the enemy or or. Life circumstance happening, and now I am I have joy because I'm going to go to God, and God's going to help me to persevere and overcome. Amen. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verse 15. All right, we're waking up, huh? Okay. I'll let you all clap. Now you're not clapping, bro. Now everyone's else clapping. Okay, thank you. Okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> He's like, I started it. I got this meeting warmed up. All right, Mark chapter 4, verse 15. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. Now, watch this. When the word of God enters our heart through preaching, through time in the word, through worship, through prayer, the word of God goes into our heart. Look what happens. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes to take away the word that was sown in them. So Satan is trying to steal the word from our hearts. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word. At once, they receive it with joy. They love it. They love this message. They're like, wow, I'm going to follow Jesus. But they have no root. They last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And that will happen. People will persecute you for the gospel. People, people don't always like you following Jesus. Have you noticed that yet? They, they could care less if you're on drugs, if you're at the club, if you're sleeping around. They don't care about any of that. You start going to church on Sunday, it's like, whoa, you like part of a cult or something? It's like, what happened? <laughs> Isn't it just ridiculous? The, but it's persecution. So, trials and tests and trouble and persecution, they come, watch that at the end of 17, to make us fall away. So, the enemy is trying to get us to fall away, but I know that this test, trial, temptation is not from God. Therefore, I go to God and he's going to help me overcome immediately or endure over time. Now, sometimes he lets us overcome immediately. Those are great days, it's called a miracle. No, it's awesome. God's like, I got you. Ain't got no time for that. Boom, breakthrough. Other times God goes, I'm actually going to give you patience and perseverance. We don't like that one. But it's how God does it. So I I can celebrate, I can find joy knowing that my faith and perseverance is growing. So if I can stay patient long enough, I will overcome. Let me say it another way. If you don't quit, you win. Don't quit. Don't quit on the dream. Don't quit on that business idea. Don't quit on your destiny. Don't quit on your kids. Don't quit on your marriage. Don't quit on your purpose. Don't quit on your call. Don't quit on your gift. If I don't quit, I will win. I'm gonna let somebody shout. Come on, if you got that in your heart. just have to outlast the trial test and temptation. Mm. Now, now, James says God's working patience in us. Here's the deal. The old preachers used to say this, God's never early, he's never late, he's always right on time. And we would shout, but it's not true. Some, some stuff preaches good, it's just not true. God's always late. Let me say it like this. God's always late to us. Let me help the men real quick. Men, God's timing. (laughs) Let me hide when I say this. Guys, guys, God's timing is like your wife's timing. (laughs) Fashionably late. Ladies, easy. It's your day, don't worry, I will, I'll stop there. Like I know, for, like my, wife, my wife's timing is different than my timing. Like if dinner's at seven, we're gonna be there at 7.15, it's just what it is. Now I used to fight that. I used to get in the car on time, I'd get in the car at 6.45, because we gotta be there at seven, and I'd start texting, we gotta go, we gotta go, we're so late, this is so rude, OMG. Come on, we gotta go, we gotta it ain't worth it. Because like God, women don't change, amen. They are like the Lord, I change not. So I decided, do I, do I wanna push her to be on time and sleep on the couch or do I wanna sleep in the bed and enjoy my life? So, I, so after 16 years of marriage, I'm on her clock now. I don't care if we're late. I get in the car on time still, cause I'm that way, but I get in the car Check out a little TikTok, a little Instagram. Watch a little YouTube, a little sports center. Just enjoy 15 minutes in the car by myself. She hops in the car, grab the phone, call the restaurant, we're gonna be late on the table. Hi, we had an emergency, but we're still gonna be there. Uh, it's just gonna be about 15 minutes late. Everything okay, sir? Yeah, yeah, just yeah, everything's alright. And and I'm I'm I have more joy because I've gotten on her clock. I've gotten on her time. Can I tell you, Christian, you will, you will have a lot more joy when you get on God's clock. Because he's gonna take his time and he's gonna do it like he does it. The, the Bible actually says in the Old Testament, though the vision tarries, just the old King James word for, though the vision took longer than you thought it was gonna take. Don't quit on the vision. And, if, and as long as you just, okay, I'm gonna go with God and God's, God's taking his time and patience and perseverance is growing in me. I'm maturing in the waiting. Number two, I have to grow. I have to grow. James says, here's my prayer that you will be mature, complete and lacking nothing. Here's what mature means to me. It's just my little, it's my sermon. I'll preach it like I want to. (laughs) Mature to me means when God blesses me, I don't forget him. And when life gets challenging, I don't forsake him. Because all of circumstance, all of it is trying to separate us from our dependence on God. So if God is blessing me, I don't forget him. And if life gets challenging, I don't forsake him. God actually has to tell this to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 8. He goes, guys, I'm about to bless your life. I'm bringing you into the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. But when I bless you, don't forget about me. For it is I who gives you the power to get wealth. God goes, I'm going to bless you. But you're going to be tempted to forget about me in the blessing. Well, I know this. Okay, I, I feel Pastor James. He's my homie. He's my favorite book in the Bible right now. Because I get, I get this because as a pastor, I know people who will come to this church and they will serve and serve and serve. If the doors are open, they're here serving. And they're single. And she's looking for that guy and he's looking for that girl. And they're believing God for a spouse. I know God's going to bring me someone. Lord, bring me my Boaz, Jesus. Bring me my Boaz. Lord, send me a Ruth, Lord. And so they serve like crazy. They come into worship. They worship with one eye open. They're, They're checking out fingers. Amen. They're seeing if there's a ring on. And he sees her and he goes right Oh, God, I need you. And you know what? They connect. And all of a sudden they get busy. I'm like, hey, where's so-and-so? Why aren't they at church? Oh, they're at brunch. Why they at br- they- What? Huh? They were praying and fasting. Now they're at brunch. <laughs> they're believing God and now they're at brunch. Couldn't they serve and then go have brunch? Doesn't that help? Good- There's still food after church, right? Oh man, why aren't they serving in that ministry more? Oh, they're-, they're just having more date nights. Well, can't they have a date night after? They're young and they've got nothing else to do. Why don't they just date night after? It's like God answers their prayer and then they just forget. I love that you got that big house, but maybe open it up to a small group. Maybe, just maybe. We know, we have pets. <laughs> like the excuses. Can you put them in a room maybe for an hour? I don't know. Just, it's amazing the things we hear. When God blesses you, don't forget about it. That's maturity. But hey, when life gets stuck, let me say this, and I I can't even look at people, but I know what people have gone through in this church. I've seen people look at the devil face to face and they made it to the other side. And they've gone through hell. And they still love God and they still love people and they still trust in God. And and some of their prayers have been answered and some of them haven't. And I look at them and I go, man... You are, because you have suffered well. You went through a test, through a trial, through a tribulation, through a temptation, and you're still serving God. Wow, That's maturity. That's maturity. That in blessing, I don't forget God, and in challenges, I don't forsake God. And when I get there, I get to the point of Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What does that mean? Does that mean you can't believe for for your dream of course not. Does that mean you can't have aspirations and goals? Of course not. Does that mean you can't believe God for blessing of course not. To to say that I shall not want means I have nothing to prove. Maturity says I have nothing to prove. It means that I'm not living my life trying to prove to others that I've succeeded. I'm whole and complete and I don't have to win. I'm willing to take the L because I'm whole and complete. Let me just, I'm just telling you. I shall not want means the grass is not greener on the other side. It's greener where I water it. And some of you learned the hard way because you jumped the fence and you found out it was AstroTurf. And you went, he was turf. (laughs) She was turf. (laughs) That thing that I was chasing was, it wasn't even real. When I never, when I never had to jump the fence, when I never had to, all I had to do was water what God gave me. I shall not want. Paul said, I've learned to be content when I'm abased in a valley, when I'm abounding in a mountaintop. The point is, is Paul saying what's going on on the inside of me is more important than what's going on on the outside. Lastly, my prayers are powerful. My prayers are powerful. Just five verses in. Man, this is such a a pastor move. It really is. He, He calls people to pray. Verse five, he goes, you need to go talk to God. Can I tell you? I feel that. I feel, I feel you, Pastor James. When I talk to people who are going through different things in life, and I, and I just want to say, are you, are you praying? I feel like the Holy Spirit would have dealt with you about this if you were praying. Are, do you read your Bible ever? James pushes them back into personal relationship with God, and he says, you need to pray. you got to become a man and woman of prayer. Whew. The trial, the test, the temptation, the the trouble was sent to separate me from God. So I'm actually going to pray. I'm actually going to lean into God. I'm going to close the gap. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to pray like never before. I'm going to use this moment to grow in my relationship with God. I refuse to just go through life. I'm going to grow through life. But then James says something interesting. He goes, Pray for wisdom. Not miracles, wisdom. Because he knows that most of their issues are based off of a lack of wisdom. Ooh, hard to hear, but it's true. I'll say this in our church right now, from the people that I know and the people and I and I feel pretty connected to our church, I know about four or five legit miracles that, that people need right now. I mean, people like if if the hand of God doesn't move in their life, they're They're in trouble. They need a miracle. And we are believing God with them for a miracle. I know about 400 people that need wisdom. That are telling me they need a miracle. (laughs) Do I need to go hide again? Y'all turning on me? Pastor, I need a breakthrough at work, man. My boss, he's after me. I need favor, pastor. I need favor. He hates me. Yeah, man, for sure. Um, Are you on time? The traffic, man, the traffic. Do you respond to emails? Are you friendly? Do you say hi to people? Do you do do your job? Are you the first person to leave or the last person to leave? Like, where, where are we at here? Well, you know, just they're after me, man. No. I think you need wisdom, but yeah. we need a financial breakthrough. We need a breakthrough now, man. We need a cool man. What kind of car do you drive again? Well, man, maybe you don't need a $1200 Mercedes payment right now. maybe 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 it's Hyundai season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not y'all turning on me, with the like maybe, maybe let's go for a Mercedes in a couple years, but right now maybe let's get out of debt and not live for a car payment, right? Maybe, maybe, I don't know. And, and there's nothing wrong with a Hyundai. I've driven, I've driven three Hyundais in my life. Then I upgraded to a Honda. <laughs> Felt like a millionaire, man. I was like, this, day, this, a gorgeous smooth. Man. But I, but I, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, don't live for a payment to impress people you don't even know. What are we talking about? You know, Tony Robbins says something amazing. He's not, a, he's not a preacher. But Tony says most people live their whole life obsessed with getting something. Then they get it, and then they live their whole life in fear of losing it. <laughs> what a terrible way to live. Preach on, Bishop Tony. Amen. I. Amen. <laughs> Maybe you need wisdom. Oh, pray for my wife, man. She crazy. She crazy, man. She crazy. really? Maybe you're a jerk. Maybe it's Mother's Day. I'm gonna give it to you, ladies. Maybe you're maybe you're mean. I don't know. I'll say this for real. I'll say this for real. I've had about six men in my life come to me to tell me that their wife is crazy. And in every case, I've looked back at them because I know them well enough to go, you need wisdom. Wow. And any craziness that they're expressing is because they feel insecure by your actions. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just for you, sis. Her husband's like, Ay, Dios mio, oh my God. No, I, I'm kidding. I think we gotta be careful. I'll, I'll go a step further. I've been married 16 years, 17 in August. I, uh, every time I've prayed for my wife that, that, the, that God would correct her. <laughs> and I have, I'm a pastor, I have. I've been like, Holy Spirit, you better go fix her, Jesus. <laughs> you know that God has never responded with, I know man, I'm trying bro, I just. Uh, she's got a hard heart right now, she's re-. never. Every time that I have prayed, and I've stopped praying it. Amen, by the way, you learn quick. Every time I prayed that God would change Shannon, every time God's checked me. And said, Let's work on you, homie. And she can testify, because there'll be there'll be days I'm mad at her. Ladies, you know what, you know, when men get quiet, you know, we just get just kind of sulk. Everything okay? Yeah. I'll go on a prayer walk. And I'll go on the prayer walk to fix her. <laughs> that was a real laugh. I heard you dog. You're like, bro, half a mile in. Holy Ghost, like, I ain't doing this with you, bro. Fix it. And I'm like, yes, sir. And I walk in, hi babe. I love you so much, baby. You're the best <laughs> wife ever, babe. I love you, babe. She's like, what happened to you? I went and prayed. God, give me wisdom. Because I'll spend my whole life asking God to fix things. And I'll miss out on the miracle of God fixing me. Somebody say, fix it. it. Okay, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I don't know where to go here. Because I'm out of time. Um, let me have the keys come up. Let me just show you 1 Kings real quick. 1 Kings chapter three. There's a famous prayer in the Bible where Solomon asked God for wisdom. Here's that prayer. He says, God, give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong for who is able to govern this great people of yours. Look at verse 10. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. I don't, let me just show you something right there in verse 10. That means that there are prayers that please God. And it means that we can pray prayers that displease God. God goes, I love that you asked for wisdom. So then God tells Solomon, You didn't ask for victories, you didn't ask for your enemies, and you didn't ask for money. So here's what I'm going to do for you, Solomon I'm going to give you wisdom. And. I'm gonna give you victory and I'm gonna give you your enemies and I'm gonna give you money. Because you prayed the right things, because you wanted God to do something in here, God says, I'm gonna take care of that and I'm gonna take care of that. The great C.S. Lewis, one of the greatest thinkers ever in the history of the body of Christ, C.S. Lewis said this, if you seek the kingdom, God will make sure that you get all the things that you need. But if you seek things, you won't get things or the kingdom. I'll be honest with you. This is my number one prayer for five years pastoring this church. God, give me wisdom. I've had one goal in five years and it has never been to grow a big church. I've asked God, help me to raise up big people with big spirits and big faith and big love, big generosity and big servant hearts. And, Big passion, big compassion, big worship, big praise, big prayers. God, help me to raise up big people. And you know what God's done? He's given me big people and a big church. But I never sought the big church. I never sought the full crowds. I never sought the photos. I never, I never, I never sought that. I never sought being one of the fastest growing churches in America. I never sought any of that. We never talk about it. We literally never talk about it. just said, God, would you help me to raise up some big people that are uncommon so that the world has to scratch their head and goes, what is up with you? And then we get to be a sign and a wonder that points people to Jesus. Glory to God. So God, give us wisdom. This is our prayer. This is my prayer. Why don't we just lift our hands together and ask for that right now. Father, we do ask, we ask you for wisdom and understanding in our lives. That we would pray prayers that please you, that we would live lives that honor you. That we would truly live in an uncommon way. For every person in this room that is in desperate need of answers, I pray for words of wisdom even this week. People who are in need of your will and your mind and your plan, I pray that you would grant it this week. I pray, Father, give us the faith to overcome and the patience to persevere. Help us to become the chief spokesperson of our life. To consider and to lead from our spirit. And for those who do need a miracle, I pray for that. I pray for supernatural healing in people's bodies. I pray for miracle turnarounds in families and relationships. I pray for business owners that are are needing the divine intervention of God. Lord, I do pray, grant miracles to your people, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Pray that pain would begin to leave out of bodies right now. Pray that you would heal cancer in the name of Jesus. We come against every spirit of death that is causing harm and illness. We speak life. We speak life in the name of Jesus.